Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. African Jackson or Meridian or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs. MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along too. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, May 6th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a recent Mississippi high school graduate is taking her school to court. She says the school took away a graduation honor because of race. Then we get an update from one Mississippi county reacting to the recent one-two punch of flooding and tornadoes. Plus, high blood pressure is a major concern in Mississippi, but what is it and how can it be overcome? That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A Mississippi student is suing her high school, alleging they took away her salutatorian title and gave it to a white student. Alicia James attended Cleveland Central High School for her senior year. The school formed after merging two high schools as part of a lengthy desegregation case. James says the school lowered her GPA because it determined some of the courses she took at her old school were of lower quality. Alicia James, now a student at Alcorn State University, talks about her experiences with MPB's Alexandra Watts. Going to school was just something that you were mandated to do. Um, I wouldn't say that I thoroughly enjoyed my senior year. Um, there were good times, but I say that the bad outweighs the good. Um, combining and coming from the predominantly black school, there wasn't a lot of our traditions that were carried over. Coming into the school year as a class, no matter what school we went to, we all combined and had an open-minded and receptive attitude to new traditions and just doing new things and putting away our old traditions. However, um, coming to the new school, that's not what happened. Um, most of the the traditions from the predominantly white side of town were kept and ours wasn't. Would you say that when you when the schools did consolidate, would you say that it was still pretty segregated when people were hanging out or maybe the like classes that people took? Um uh, far as hanging out in the, the classes, I would most definitely say no. Um even before we combined, we were still hanging out with each other, uh different schools, we were at each other's events. It was it was never anything against the students and with the students. When you first heard about what was going on with graduation and the quality points, what was your, how did you feel? It's an indescribable feeling because it's almost unbelievable to see, you wouldn't even think people would do things like that to see it just taken away. And for people to even have that mindset, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even think that. It's indescribable, it's an indescribable feeling. What if somebody were to say, Okay, so you're graduating third in your class instead of second in your class. What does that mean? What did that mean for you? When you know what you should have been, it's like, wow. But now that it's over, it means you got to keep going. Like, you can't let that phase you. You got to have resilience. You got to keep going. Like, you third, so what? Maybe next graduation, you need to 
push to be something else. So it doesn't, it's not a setback. That's how I look at it. It's not a setback. So this has been going on for a year now, and this might be kind of a broad question. You kind of touched on it, but how are you feeling now as opposed to how you felt a year ago? I know now it's starting to get more attention both locally and nationally, but how are you feeling through all this? I'm at a point where I, I want to get it done. I focus on getting it out there and getting justice, but I'm at a point now where I'm really focused on my future. I'm really focused on the things that I presently have going on, so I don't really let that affect me as much as I did when it first, first happened. So now I'm just focused on what's next, what's the next step. And speaking about your future, I know you're at Alcorn State right now. What what are you doing right now? At Alcorn State University, I'm a mass communications major. I am ROTC cadet. Um, with that, I plan to go through JAG and be a lawyer inside the United States Army. At Alcorn, things are very good. I have been maintaining the 4.0 GPA. Um, I'm very involved in ROTC. I was elected to have a cadet leadership position in this upcoming school year. I was also elected as a freshman of the year at Alcorn State University, and I am a presidential scholar. What are you hoping the impact um not just how this case turns out for you personally, but how do you hope this case impacts future generations and future graduating classes of Cleveland Central High School? Oh, it's so much bigger than me. My 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 goal is to let people know and understand this is wrong and do the right thing. That's all. Um, it's, it's way bigger than me. And say if it does happen again, I want the students that, I mean, if it potentially happened to, I, don't, I hope it doesn't, but if it does happen to them, I want them to understand that the title doesn't define them, but it's based on how successful you become after graduation. Like, keep going. Don't let that phase you. That's the goal that I hope to accomplish. Alicia James graduated from Cleveland Central High School. She's currently a student at Alcorn State University. Lisa Ross is James's attorney. She tells our Alexandra Watts more about the specifics of her client's case. First of all, she would have graduated second in the class as salutatorian, and a white male was selected as salutatorian, and we believe that the white male's grade point average was lower his quality point average was lower than Alicia James. Uh, Alicia James had previously attended the segregated Eastside High School. That is the high school in the district that most black students attended, even though the, the, the school district had two high schools at one time. She attended the predominantly or all black African-American high school. And after Judge Deborah Brown's decision in, I think, in 2016, which ordered the district to desegregate schools, in the fall of 2017-18, uh, the district moved from, one, from two high schools to one high school. They combined uh, Eastside High School with Cleveland High School, and the new school became high school became known as Cleveland Central High School. While attending uh, Eastside High School, the segregated high school in Cleveland, Miss James was uh, in the IB program. Uh, she took advanced and accelerated courses. She took honor courses as well. 
And in fact, the school district, in an effort to get white student, more white students to come to Eastside High School, uh, children, uh, students at Eastside were, you know, free to go to and take classes, IB classes, AP, and advanced courses at Eastside, which you did not have a lot of that. When it came down to the, determining who was the valedictorian and the salutatorian in the first documents that uh, the district gave to Ms. James, she was number two in her class. At that time, the district would have had a black valedictorian and a black salutatorian. Days later, Ms. James was informed that they had taken classes away from her, and which had the effect of lowering her grade point average. And subsequently, a white male was selected as salutatorian. And I should say it, it has the effect of lowering her quality point average because students in the Cleveland School District, if they take rigorous courses, those courses are weighted and you would get, and you have points that are assigned for the courses. For example, the district could have 20 students, 20 seniors, 40 seniors who have 4.0, but how do you distinguish those students? You distinguish them by the rigor of the courses that they take and the grades that they make in the and the more rigorous courses. How has the community responded? Has there been a divide in the community? Are people taking different sides? With James, Alicia James, I mean, from, I, I think that the district is at a very pivotal uh, point in history, you know, uh, and the district has some kinks to work through. We don't believe that the kinks ought to be worked out on the back to the black students. We believe that the district should fashion a way uh, to deal with the issue of if kids and children have been, uh, have taken the more uh, difficult classes and they've earned the highest grades, then they should be recognized for their achievements and the achievements should not be relegated to the back in order for the district to put a false narrative out. I guess my final question is, um, how are you hoping that what's going on right now is going to affect the district in the future? How do you hope this case has an impact? 50 years from now, I hope that students in the Cleveland School District are enjoying the benefits of an integrated education because we believe that an integrated education is best for all students and that the adults will not stand in the way. Attorney Lisa Ross represents Alicia James. The Cleveland School District declined to comment for our story. Coming up, we get an update from one Mississippi county reacting to the recent one-two punch of flooding and tornadoes. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is a show all about the culture of Southern flavor. And there's no meal quite as Southern as a Sunday afternoon brunch or maybe a country-style breakfast. We're going to talk about both of these meals next at Deep South Dining with your hosts, Malcolm White and Carol Puckett. From the shrimp and grits to the biscuits and gravy, what about some country ham? We're going to talk about that and more on the next Deep South Dining 
Up next at 9, only on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The National Weather Service warns that flooding along the Mississippi River could extend into June. The river has broken records along its upper reaches in Iowa and Illinois. It crested in St. Louis early this morning at about 12 feet above flood stage. Emergency managers in our state are keeping an eye on the lower end of the river, too. Levels at Vicksburg, Natchez, and Greenville have been above flood stage since the top of the year, but so far the flooding has been relatively moderate. People in Warren County have been impacted by the flooding, not to mention a tornado that hit downtown Vicksburg last month. MPB's Tom Wright spoke with John Elfer, Emergency Management Director for Warren County. So we've still got several roads and city streets that are uh, closed due to river flooding. Uh, We've got several county roads and state highways also that are closed uh, due to backwater flooding. Primarily Well, they're all north of the uh, what they call the backwater levee, which is the levee system that runs uh, the mainline levee system that the Mississippi uh, Levee Board controls runs from about Greenville all the way down to Eagle Lake, and it turns south, and then it goes all the way to Steel Bayou and then all the way back up into uh, the eastern delta. And so what has happened is, uh, with all of the river flooding that we've had, there was a, a period of time where the Steel Bayou gates had been closed, which did not allow rainwater to drain out of the delta, and it resulted in about 550,000 acres uh, to flood. Uh, that's on the backwater side. On the river side, we, we went to about 51 and some change uh, last month, and we're at 47 today, so... Uh, we've been dealing with river flooding since, you know, uh, midwinter, and it doesn't appear that it's going away anytime soon. So that, that's kind of where we are. We have assisted the Eagle Lake community and, and some other communities with uh, some pumps and some other things to assist them in flood fighting. And we've got several, you know, we've got a bunch of people that are displaced. So that's that's kind of where we are today in Vicksburg and Warren County. Do you have an approximate uh, estimate on on how many households are, are displaced at this point in in your uh, your coverage area? Uh, displaced, several hundred. Okay, uh, are affected now. Not all those have flooded, so we probably have thirty or forty houses that actually have water in them. Okay, that's just me guessing, not looking at my notes. Uh, so, you know, quite quite a few. Um, there's a lot of them that, even though they don't have water, you can't access them. So I know in Warren County, uh, we've probably served over 100 people uh, with temporary housing assistance through MEMA in the state of Mississippi. Uh, there has been no federal declaration yet uh, on the flood or the tornado, uh, and we're working on damage assessments. The problem with the flooding is... We can't do damage assessments until the water goes down. And we, uh, in theory, could be still dealing with this flood in July. So, obviously, this is a, could, could wind up being a, a five- or six-month event. Okay, and John, finally, anything else you'd like to add for uh, listeners in your area that are uh, inevitably going to deal with the, at least a little moderate flooding? Yeah, as far as the people that live here? Yes, sir. Yeah, um, 
we're here to assist. Uh, I want to remind everybody uh, that the Eagle Lake community was issued a mandatory evacuation order on March 8th due to the remoteness of that area. Uh, currently, 465 is open from Highway 1 all the way to Eagle Lake Shore Road at Eagle Lake, and that's the that's the route in and that's the route out. The levees uh, on the backwater side from Shotard all the way to Highway 61 are will remain closed until this flood is gone or until the levee board decides to reopen them. Uh, so it's a it's a long trip up there. Um, other areas that are affected, we, we want people to stay away from those areas if they don't have property there. Uh, there's a lot of hazards in, out there, not not just with the water, but in the water. There's a lot of displaced wildlife right now, and it's just not a good area to be traveling in if you can avoid it. Uh, and if someone does get into trouble, then we encourage them to immediately call our 911. That's Warren County Emergency Management Director John Elfer speaking with MPB's Tom Wright. The river at Vicksburg remains above flood stage at exactly 47.7 feet. Coming up, high blood pressure is a major concern in Mississippi, but what is it and how can it be overcome? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Whether you're a thrifty shopper or someone who likes to buy the whole store, Change is the program that will allow your purchases to show your support for the quality content on MPB Radio. This easy and no-hassle program rounds up your credit or debit card purchases to the nearest dollar and sends us the difference. You support MPB and get something nice for yourself. To sign up for Change, visit our website, mpbonline.org, and click support. Right on Mississippi. Wyatt Waters. My college roommate was from Chicago. We said, try some grits. He said, I think I'll have one grit, and if I like it, I'll have some more. (laughs) Julia Reed. One time I watched John Edwards get in a fight with a man in a waffle suit. It was so offensive to him that he was being interrupted. I mean, he literally leaned over the train, the Harry Truman train, and almost went head first into the truck trying to grab the waffle man. Right on Mississippi. A podcast coming May 14th from the Mississippi Book Festival and MPB. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Taryn Brown. More than 700,000 adults in Mississippi have high blood pressure. It's often called the silent killer because thousands more may be at risk and don't even know it. High blood pressure increases a person's risk of heart disease and stroke, two of the leading causes of death in the United States. Dr. William Crowder is a cardiologist at the Jackson Heart Clinic. A lot of people think it's just based on how the heart's pumping, but it's really a little bit more to it than that. It involves how compliant or stiff your arteries are. So we oftentimes think of arteries just like a concrete pipe or a, a fixed pipe, but our arteries can dilate and they can constrict. And so depending on how dilated or constricted the blood vessels are can determine what our blood pressure is. What is normal blood pressure? It varies year to year based on what guidelines are talking about. So right now, typically a top number systolic blood pressure of 140 or below and a bottom number of you know 90 or below is what we think about as far as normal blood pressure. Now, different people, if you have a history of coronary disease, if you have a history of diabetes, your blood pressure goals might be a bunch slower. So sometimes we like to get blood pressure below 130 on the top and below 80 on the bottom or even lower. 
if someone has an aneurysm or a, or another condition, we might even want it lower. If someone is diagnosed with high blood pressure, what can they do right away to help bring that number down? So you're saying that their blood pressure is high right then? Yeah, or, or the doctor says you you have a you know you you've been you've had high blood pressure for a week now or a month now or right. months now. Right, right. So unless you're critically ill or your blood pressure is at some level which might cause damage, and we're talking you know malignant levels of blood pressure like 180 on the top or above, then we give medicines and sometimes admit to the hospital to get medicines to get the blood pressure down immediately. But what you're talking about is more of a chronic condition. You know, a lot of times our first step is to emphasize diet and exercise and weight loss. Um, These are very simple things that can really have an impact on blood pressure. There have been studies that have shown that just getting 20 or if if you're an obese patient, if you get weight off, you can get off blood pressure medicine. That's been proven time and time again. It's just sometimes difficult to get patients to be motivated to do that. But usually we start with diet, exercise, lifestyle changing, smoking cessation, limit salt intake. Salt is a big driver of uh, of blood pressure issues, especially in Mississippi in the South where a lot of foods that we use are processed or a lot of our Patients eat fast food, and they're just full of sodium, and that can make blood pressure very difficult to treat. If someone goes on blood pressure medication, how right. soon before changes start happening? Uh, another great question. Uh, each blood pressure medicine, so there's several different classes of medicine, and they work in lots and lots of different ways. We have medicines that dilate the arteries, and they can go to work within you know, 24 hours. Uh, we have medicines that can uh, decrease the contractility of the heart. They go to work very quickly as well. Some of the other medicines are a little longer. They affect different pathways in your body about how they make different chemicals, and it can take a week or two to start seeing the, uh, a big difference. Um, but, again, it depends on the situation that we're treating as to how soon we need to get the blood pressure down. If high blood pressure isn't brought under control, how mm-hmm. much does it increase someone's risk of suffering a heart attack or a stroke? Blood pressure by itself can, if it's uncontrolled for a long period of time, have a two- to three-fold increased risk of heart attack and stroke. Unfortunately, a lot of patients that we see that have high blood pressure also have high cholesterol. They also have diabetes and the other conditions that go along with kind of an unhealthy lifestyle. And there's some genetics that play into that as well. In patients that have blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes that smoke, I mean, there can be a four- to five-fold risk of increase for stroke and heart attack. I mean, it's all additive, if that makes sense. It works in synergy. Any other recommendations for our listeners? Don't get frustrated if one or two medicines are not working. There have been studies that show that a lot of patients with essential hypertension are going to need three and sometimes four medicines to get their blood pressure under control. So don't get frustrated if they start a medicine and it's not working to get their blood pressure to go. The second thing is I can't overestimate the importance of diet and exercise. And it's such a, um, it's a gratifying feeling to see a patient that's really taken a lot of time and effort, lost weight, and see their blood pressure coming down and they can start to get off of all those medicines. 
Dr. William Crowder is a cardiologist with the Jackson Heart Clinic. Thank you very much, Dr. Crowder. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I enjoy talking to you. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores, or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting for more information.